Having an opening routine in your music class is a surefire way to get students primed and ready to go when they first walk into your classroom. It's no secret that I think having an intentional beginning sequence or just a sequence period to your lessons is important. I mean, we've talked about it on a couple of podcasts already. And I've even gone so far as to share what I do specifically with my younger students, like those kindergarten through second graders, to have a pretty established routine that they come to expect each and every music class and stays the same week to week. But what about those older students? What about the upper elementary or even middle school students who might find a hello song or echo singing to be a bit too babyish, even though it's not, but that's a topic for another day because today on the Anacrusic Podcast, episode number 135, I'm going to give you three surefire ways to jumpstart your music class. I'm Ann Molesky, and I've helped music teachers just like you get more intentional in their classrooms through my trainings, curriculum, and tips shared on this podcast. The truth is, teaching music is hard. You have a bunch of kids to teach and not a lot of free time to figure out how. Feeling overwhelmed and frustrated is totally normal. But here's the good news. It only takes a few simple steps to flip the script. And although it may be simple, it's definitely not easy unless you have the right toolkit. So let's start tuning and transforming your music teacher life right now. The actionable steps you need to find the purpose, follow a sequence, and choose joy are right here. This is the Anacrusic Podcast. So before we even get started, I want you to really think about what your music classroom looks like right now. Do your kids come in focused and ready to listen, like they're super primed for learning, or do you have to kind of wait a little bit to get things rocking and rolling? Are you making music? Are they a hot mess express? Like, what does it look like? And do your kids have a clear understanding of what the lesson focus is going to be that day? And are you setting that stage right away? So opening routines is something that Victoria and I talked about in a couple episodes ago. I'll make sure to link it in the show notes down below if you want to go reference that. And as I mentioned in the intro to today's episode, I have a couple of different podcast episodes about creating your own opening routine and giving my own example for that particular opening routine. But the big takeaway there is not like we've done this before, but more about what the actual intention behind having an opening routine or just a starting activity or whatever you want to call it to your music class. Like the purpose of jumpstarting your music class is to do one of two things. Number one, to set the stage for whatever music making you're going to be doing that day. So whatever type of active music making you might be doing, whatever types of things you're going to be asking your students to create with throughout your class should really be primed and ready to go in the beginning of of whatever your music class looks like. And the second is to make students aware of your learning target and probably not just your learning target, but your learning target criteria. So not necessarily just like today we're going to study beat, but today I will be able to keep a study beat by tapping on my legs or whatever the actual action is. Again, whatever you could actually be seeing if somebody was looking into your classroom or taking a video, if you will, you want to make sure your students have an awareness of what that lesson focus is and how they know they'll be 
successful. So again, the first thing you want your opening routine to do is to set the stage for whatever music making it is that day and to make your students aware of the learning target and its criteria. So to that end, it's important to make sure you always start with music making. Even if you have to take attendance, even if you need to gather a couple of materials like last minute, find a way to get your kids starting to make music right away even with all that other administrative stuff that you might have to take care of. And within the context of that activity or immediately after, it's time to focus on the learning target. And an important note here, the activity target for an opening routine itself, like that actual lesson segment in your overall lesson plan, is likely a more broad or prerequisite skill for whatever your focus might be. So maybe inside of your opening routine, you're going to be doing some really intentional vocal exploration or a vocal warm-up because you're going to be doing a lot of singing, a lot of aural um, prep for your students in terms of a melodic element, or maybe you're going to do some steady beat, some really intentional steady beat practice to make sure that your kids can grasp a rhythmic element that you're going to be doing in your lesson. So not to say that your opening routine is going to directly be like, oh, I can totally see syncopar. I can totally see like low, low, and low, so in this opening routine, although maybe so. It's just starting to sort of peel the onion for what the trajectory of the lesson is going to look like throughout. And so at this point, you're probably wondering, okay, we are already almost five minutes into this podcast. What does it look like? You said you have three ways to jumpstart the party. So what do we do? Now, I've mentioned before with the opening routine for my younger students, I have a very, very set routine. And that's something that I've I've offered before on the podcast. I will definitely link the episode down below. But I'm talking in today's podcast specifically about what I might do with those older kids. What can I do to make sure that I have their attention, that they're ready to rock and roll, and that they're primed for the learning inside of my music room. So the first thing that I recommend doing, especially if this idea of really meeting kids at the door and starting to make music right away is new for you, is to find a way to walk in making music. So walk in making music and let it be a transition from the previous transition, the transition from the transition, if you will, to the music room. And one of the most effective things you can do to help that transition and to make music right away is to literally start making music right away. So meeting students at the door and having them actively making music, whether that's actually creating or responding to music, is a surefire way to get them ready to go. And so here's a couple ideas of what this can look like. So the first is to play a follow the leader game. Um, If you were doing this with younger students, maybe you do something like snail snail where it's literally follow the leader. But the thing is, is that you don't have to do a quote unquote follow the leader game in order to do a follow the leader game. So for example, if I had third graders at the door or fourth graders maybe, and we are going to do some work with Alabama Gal, perhaps I would have them follow me and just walk the study beat listening to Alabama Gal and I would sing it and I'd lead them around the room so they could hear all of the voices or excuse me, all of the verses rather. And then by the end of the song, I've kind of guided them into like a folded up snake that turns into a lawnway set. And then we could learn the game right off the bat. And you might be wondering, okay, so where does the learning target fit into that. So if we're going through the room and they're they're following and listening to what I'm singing and we get to that folded up snake and I finished my song, then we turn to the board and I say, today in music we will, and they read the target and we talk about it for a split second and then we get right back to playing the game. So we have that activity. We have them walking in, already listening and being ready for what's going to come next. We have primed the target and then we've gotten right back to the music making. 
Something else you could do, again, these could all kind of be combined, is to do a same type of follow the leader thing while walking the beat, exploring different pathways with different types of locomotor movements. So if you were going to do it with either um, a song that your kids know and could sing, a song that you're singing, or even some pre-recorded music, you could have different student leaders. So perhaps you start by leading the train into the room, but then when you're finished, you head to the back of the train, and then there's a new leader who ever was behind you. And then when it's time for there to be a new leader, you go and grab that student's hand and guide them to the back of the snake again, and so on and so forth. So not only do we have this kind of keeping the beat idea, but we're exploring different pathways and we're exploring different locomotor movements and giving students the opportunity to lead and create. Now, obviously, this is not an activity I would do if it was the first time students had ever done any type of locomotor movement exploration, because that would really be putting them on the spot. That would make them really have to think, which is a great thing. But if they feel a little bit conflicted or like, oh, I'm not really sure what to do, then make sure that their turn is kind of a split second and you can go on to a next kid who can be a little bit more successful, right? It should be a low pressure type of thing because it should already be familiar. Um, And a nice scaffold you can do if you haven't done a game with a a lot of locomotor movements is have some words up on the board and they could just choose from one of the four. And then that gives them kind of a refined bank, if you will, of, of things to choose from as well. And then of course, if a locomotor kind of follow the leader Um, movements isn't exactly your jam. Something else you could do is lead your students, again, with you being the leader from the door, singing, listening to music, whatever you want to do, and walking, leading them into a circle. And then at that point, they could still play follow the leader. You could still have some student leaders um, doing some beat motions that are non-locomotor steady beat motions as well. And then last but not least, to have more of this follow the leader type idea, you could have kids walk in and picking up rhythm sticks and keeping a steady beat or keeping a specific ostinati pattern that you have them all read in the hall before they come in so they know they're just going to repeat that over and over again, or just something of that of that nature so that you have some rhythmic practice or some study beat practice. And again, at any point during any of these games, any of these follow the leader type of activities, you could stop and pick a new leader and you could also, or, or transition rather, and have a new leader happen, hopefully somewhat seamlessly by doing some nonverbal communication or just helping them lead them physically. Um, but you can also stop and just quickly say, today in music we will. And whenever my students hear me say that, they know it's time to talk for a split second about that learning target. And it's the same format each and every time. So it's something that's super duper familiar to them. And they know that after we read that, we're going to get right back to playing the same game. So for my older kids, the learning target kind of announcement, if you will, for a lack of a better term, happens inside of that opening, that opening activity. And so with this follow the leader idea, whether you have a follow the leader game, whether they're walking the beat, exploring different pathways, whether they're following the leader and doing some non-locomotor stuff, or if they're doing it with instruments, whatever it might be, this is a great way to introduce repertoire, right? Like with the Alabama gal example I gave you, it's a great way to reinforce steady beat, even with your littles. It's a great way to practice rhythmic ostinato. And it's a great way to review movement vocabulary like non-locomotor and locomotor, right? So there's all of these different focuses that likely will all be expanded upon and serve as a starting point for whatever is going to be happening in your lesson in terms of curricular content and types of music making. 
So that was the first way to jumpstart your music classroom, and that is to walk in making music. The second way to jumpstart your music class is to use movement. Now, when I did a poll on Instagram, movement is one of those things that is very polarizing. I feel like folks are super duper comfortable with it. They've had a lot of training or it just kind of comes natural. And for other folks, it feels kind of like this hairy, scary thing. And so this type of movement warm-up that I'm about to explain is something that will help all of us to feel a little bit more comfortable in our bodies, a little bit more comfortable in this movement vocabulary, if you will, and and not vocabulary in terms of like, I'm going to bend my elbow, but much more about this vocabulary of experience where our bodies are used to taking different shapes, they're used to moving in different ways, and because of that, we feel a little bit more empowered to do a little bit more each and every time creatively moving and making music that way. And so when I'm talking about a movement warm-up, at least in this context, I'm not talking about steady beat. I'm not talking about body percussion. I'm talking about much more fluid movement and much more body awareness. And something that I like to do is to use a kid's yoga deck. Um, I have one that I really, really like that just sort of shows the silhouette. Not sort of. It is just a silhouette. Um... So there's no like emotion tied to these figures because they are simply just figures that show body placement, if you will. And what I like to do is I like to use that as the first vocabulary experience. So whether I'm projecting them on the board or putting them um, just like individual cards around the room and students can move around the room based on an RLQ, like a triangle or something. um, And then everybody just kind of takes a moment to explore that card. Um, so again, you could either project it at the front of the room, you could lead it just by looking at the card so the students could copy your bodies, or you could kind of do a scatter type thing. And actually, that would probably be a really, really nice sequence is to show them the cards, then they could follow you, and then maybe like a follow-up activity would to be scatter. Um, this is something that's really beautiful to do in silence. I like to call it my silent stretches with my kids because then they know, oh, this is our time to focus on our body and what it's doing in terms of high, middle, and low, and how I'm I'm facing different things and all of that kind of stuff. Um, I think it has some cool, some cool implications if you want to have an RLQ for how you're going to change a movement. Um, you know, you could hold up a card and they could copy it, and then you could play a high triangle sound and they would make it a high level. You could play a medium tambored instrument and it could be a medium level, and then a low tambored instrument like a tabano or something, and they could take that same movement and move it low. So you could do some some leveled practice. You could ask them to find a way to link with a partner. There's just a lot of really cool places that this could go. But the simplest way to do it is to just have a movement warm-up where they copy with their bodies. And what's beautiful about this is not only does it help your students to kind of focus in on what their bodies are doing, but it just requires them to focus. (laughs) And if it's silent stretches and they're all too busy thinking about their own bodies and how and how they are are making that shape, it creates this really nice sense of calm in your classroom, especially if you have um, some some rowdy classes that come in after recess or whatever it might be. And truth be told, the first couple of times there's always some giggles, but if you keep going through the, these are silent stretches and you dim the lights and there's less focus on individual people until they're comfortable and in a place where they could lead, um, it's a really, really, really beautiful thing. 
And again, one of the things that you can do is really focus on this body awareness and levels. If you want to get into some other movement vocabulary like facings, um, if you want to start talking about transitions where they're holding one um, kind of statue still and then they hear an aural cue where they have to transition to the next, finding a way to not just release that, that pose and go to the next, but find a way to actually artistically move. Um, There's a lot of really, really cool ways to sequence this type of warm-up, and it's a really neat experience to see some of your your kids, your older kids, get really centered and focused in on this type of awareness. Never forget when I did an activity like this with one of my second grade classes. Um, We finished, and we were about to go into the next part of the lesson, so I turned the music, or excuse me, I turned the lights up, and I had had a Bobby McFerrin circle song playing in the background, which is one of my favorite things to do in just kind of this open space movement exploration type stuff is to play play his his works. And um, she just turned to me and she said, oh, I feel like I just did yoga. Like the kids really do come down when they have have that kind of that introspection, right? Introspection, introspective work. Let's say it that way. So yeah, so again, the possible focus there is all these different movement implications. If you wanted to turn it into something um, where they have to transition and you're showing one card and they transition to the next while you're pulling up the next, if that makes sense, you could kind of turn it into a free canon type of exercise as well. Um, And then that could maybe be more closely aligned to a curricular concept if you do those types of things in terms of timing and meter and all that good stuff. But for me, I think just the body awareness is a really, really valid in and of itself um, way to start your class. So the first way to jumpstart your music class, especially with those older kids, is to walk in making music, again, with those follow the leader ideas. The second way is to do these movement warmups like silent stretches or silent statues or with some sort of uh, cyclical music, if you will, in the background. And then the third way is to do a listening lesson. And I have a couple of caveats about this. So I think that a listening lesson is a really, really beautiful theme if it's an active listening lesson. Now, what do I mean by that? by that. I think it's a wonderful idea to have your kids come into the classroom. You have a couple of questions on the board and the music's already playing, or you have a listening map going and the music's already playing, and they know that that is their signal to come in and kind of read and start processing and get focused. I think if you started that in your classroom, that's a really, really, really beautiful thing, especially for those of us who have to do kind of some some of that administrative stuff. Like if you have to take attendance every class or you have to like pick up the phone and call the main office or whatever your deal might be those first couple of minutes of class, having kids come in, having that that prompt on the board and also having something that illustrates the music, which is the first important piece of what I'm about to share, is a really, really important thing. Hello, my name is Mark Connor, and I am the host of the Everything Band Podcast, a weekly interview show where I am joined by leaders in the band community. Come join me each Monday to hear my guests share their stories and their wisdom with other listeners of the show. One of the things that Victoria and I talked about in our very last episode, episode 134, about how children learn best, was this idea that we don't want to be teaching students about music. If you remember my whole hashtag eat the donut thing, right? So the idea is that we want them to actually be doing the thing instead of hearing about doing the thing. And when it comes to active listening, this can be challenging because 
we can be actively actively listening and really immersed in a musical like aural sensation, right? And it could have all of these sonic whatever, like really influencing us. Like I believe all of that, like give me all the woo-woo stuff about that. But I think for kids, in order to really have all of that embedded inside of them, they need to experience it in a more active doing type of way right? Because we want to hit that RL, that visual, that kinesthetic. We want to hit all of those different ways that they can feel most musical. So I think something that's super important to do is to listen absolutely intentionally with a prompt, um, with a listening map, but then we need to do something with it. And so something that we could do is, again, everybody could sketch the form or follow along a listening map with some different like steady beat motions or some different simple movements that allow them to be more participatory, if you will, or more active. That's a better word that I would rather use when it comes to listening. And of course, that'll come on the second or maybe even third listen. So we want to choose some some short clips here to, to do this type of lesson or this type of work with. I think one of the best types of music to do this with, especially if it's new for you, is like a Susan March, to be honest with you, because there's always a very, very obvious A, B or like trio and like there's all this soft, loud type of stuff that you can pretty easily divide into sections and create different beat motions or create different types of creative movement into like an interactive listening map with our bodies, if you will, right? So the students can react, the students can apply what they're hearing through this active music making and it can turn into like a group project-based learning type of thing as a whole class or small groups. There could be a section for movement improv. There could be um, different rhythmic ostinati depending on the section. There could be different instrumentation depending on the sections, all that type of stuff. So if you are really much more comfortable, and I get it, if you're really much more comfortable with having your students come in, having an assigned seat, having just kind of a gathering moment, but you don't want to do some greening songs, you don't want to do the same stuff that you're doing for your younger kiddos, I think that this can be a really great way to engage with meaningful conversation and also get your kids responding in an active way to what they're hearing and feeling like they can be a collaborator, if you will, with whatever the pre-recorded music may be. So I think that this can be super duper, super duper effective. So we've talked about how we could walk in making music. We've talked about this movement warm-up stuff, and we've talked about having a listening lesson. And again, I've talked in pretty general terms, but hopefully this gives you some good ideas for things you can do instead of a quote-unquote opening routine where you always have the same five steps or whatever that you always do. And you should feel free, you should feel inspired to make it fluid depending on what's happening in your in your curriculum map in your classroom or whatever it might be. Because you do want to make sure that, again, you're primed for whatever the music making is going to be that day. And also, you want to make sure that you have that opportunity to refer back to your learning target in some way, shape, or form. So how do you ensure that your opening routine is zeroed in on the learning target? And how do you even figure out what your learning target is? Well, it all starts with planning, right? So when you are sitting down to plan your lessons, I would say that your opening routine, you probably want it to be the same for at least a couple of weeks, right? If you're if you're not into having it be the same each and every time, that's cool. But even the quick examples that I gave you, there's a way to scaffold and sort of expand that nugget of an idea. And I gave you some some ideas of how to sequence it um, over time so that it becomes 
more and more in the hands of your students and more and more about them creating and less about you leading the start of class, perhaps with the exception of like talking about the learning target. But when you sit down to plan your lessons, you should be sure that you know exactly what the learning outcome was, not just for this particular lesson that you're planning, but the last lesson that you taught, the lesson you're planning for that moment, the lesson that is going to be coming out next. And by doing this, you are always able to spiral out your learning target and build your opening routine up to be whatever whatever you want it to be for that specific time or just an opening routine or activity you have established with your students can always refer back to that specific learning target. So that means you have to have a specific process for planning. It's super duper important. So I've been getting a lot of questions lately about my macro sequence. So this is something that I'm actually offering to you guys. If you have no idea where to start, you want a list of concepts to figure out what you should be teaching when, I actually have exactly that for you. So if you head to the show notes down below, that will be linked, or you could just head to annemoleski.com and click on courses, and it will be right there for you to download for free. So I hope that today's episode was super duper helpful. I hope that your first couple of weeks are going amazingly well. I think at this point, everybody's all the way 100% back in the trenches. And I hope that it's been amazing for you guys. I hope that you're inspired. I hope that you're pumped to be making music with your kiddos. And I hope that these three ways to jumpstart your music class are super helpful for you. Be sure to check out the other links for the other opening routine podcast. And of course, if you ever have any questions whatsoever, hit me up on Instagram or send me a note inside of the Facebook group. And I can't wait to talk to you. Thanks for listening to the Anna Krusik podcast. For more details and information from this episode, check out the show notes on annemoleski.com. While you're there, head on over to the free Anna Krusik community where you can collaborate with me and other teacher musicians. If you love the tips in today's episode, don't forget to share with your music teacher pals and tag me on Instagram or Facebook. And if today was one of your favorite episodes, I'd so appreciate it if you'd leave a review. The Anacrusic Podcast is a proud member of the Music Teacher Development Podcast Network. The Muted Network provides support in the form of audio on-demand programming designed by and for music educators. You can find more information about our network at mutedpodcast.com. Hey.